It's time for Let's Get Real with your host from Bob Richards and Associates, Bob Richards. Hey everybody, how you doing? Michael, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. My name is Michael Mullenhauer. I'm sitting here with our good friend, Mr. Bob Richards from Bob Richards and Associates. And who's this other guy? You know, lucky guy. I have got a great guest with us today by the name of Josh Brown. Josh is a local uh, mortgage lender here, one of the best in the business. Of course, that's why I brought him here. And uh, what's the name of Josh's place? Josh? I am uh, at Mortgage HQ, local brokerage, and very excited to be here. Thank you. Catchy name. It is. Yeah. Right here in uh, the delightful town of St. George. Yes, sir. Yep. And uh, Josh, do you cover all the uh, areas of southern Utah around here? Yes. Yep. Everywhere across the state. Terrific. Yeah. Well, Bob. Yes, sir. I think it's great that you bought that you brought uh, the other guy, uh, I mean, Josh, (laughs) (laughs) to the podcast today because this is going to be such a big help because a lot of people have been asking me. They come up to me and they go, Michael, we see you and Bob hanging out at the Olive Garden all the time. All the time. (laughs) But, you know, we've been wondering, I'm self-employed. Is it hard for me to get a mortgage loan to buy a new house? And I guess that's why you brought Josh today. It is. This this is such a big topic these days, Michael. And and in the past years, and really any time a mortgage is wanted by a self-employed individual, it is not as easy as somebody who's on a salary or on a W-2 uh, hourly wage. And so Josh is an expert knowing how to tell people, if you're self-employed, this is what I need. We can get you into the house. So, Josh Brown. So, Josh, is it harder for a self-employed person to get a loan? And if so, why? That's a great question. This is one of my favorite myths uh, to debunk, to really dive into. To answer the question, yes, it is a little harder, um, but not not as tricky or as, as complicated as many people might think. A lot of times it's as simple as making sure you have your ducks in, ducks in a row, having your documents collected, and everything ready to submit all at once. Um so what kind of documents am I going to need? So you're looking at, depending on how you, have your, how you have your business set up, personal tax returns, that's the Form 1040, and your business tax returns, that's most commonly your your Form 1120, um, something very easy to get right from your CPA. It's one of, the, one of the things that I always recommend is connecting your lender actually with your CPA and making sure we can connect uh, or collect all of those documents. So is there a... Um a minimum number of years that I need to have been self-employed before I can even uh, try this? Yep, uh, there sure is. This is a pretty hard line. Uh, You're looking at two years minimum uh, when you're self-employed, mainly because the golden rule when you're you're looking to qualify as a self-employed borrower is that um, the history of your business is what the lender is using to predict what the future might look like. So looking for a two-year history um, in order to start using self-employed income. So, Bob, when somebody comes in and they say, you know, Bob, I really want to buy that $4 million house that I saw oh boy. in the Parade of Homes, which is coming up when? February It is something? February 17th through the 26th. So just right around the corner. I understand you're going to be out there. I, you know what? I will. I will actually, for anybody that listens to this podcast and are very interested in tickets, give me a call, shoot me an email, send me a text. What's your phone number? Two free, 435-688-8824. So if I call, you'll give me two free tickets? I, you know what? I will. Oh, I'm gonna two free. Two. Absolutely. All right. That's the Parade of Hum. So, Bob, as you get a lot of uh, self-employed guys, 
like me, for example, mm-hmm. who uh, want to buy that $4 million house on the parade of homes. So I'm going to need to bring all the, all the forms that Josh was telling me about. Yes, you will. When, when you see a guy like me walking in and, and I, I look fairly decent and you hear say, well, I'm uh, self-employed. Do you, does your heart hit the floor? And you go, oh my gosh. Or, uh, <laughs> no, I'm excited for him, Michael, because they're, they're the ones that are typically kind of put to the side where other people are just like, yeah, uh, good luck with that. I'm not really interested in helping you. It takes too long. You're kind of cramping my style. I invite them uh, and say, you know what? We have got a program for you. Follow the rules. Talk to Josh. We'll get you into a home. It's just a matter of getting things done in an orderly way. If people are ready to do that and are, are confident in being able to do things in an organized, orderly way, we can get them into a house okay. for sure. So what can I do as a prospective self-employed home buyer to make the whole process easier for both of you guys? Josh? It's a great question. So first off, um, I recommend, sound might sound a little bit basic, but for mm-hmm. sure having separate business bank accounts aside from your personal bank accounts, separate business credit cards aside from your personal credit cards, and making sure those things are separated. So you want that's, that's a little bit of step one, you know, getting your business set sure. up right. Um, definitely something your your account could help you you know get set up correctly, but that's that's really the very beginning is making sure I mean everything's separated and uh, filed on time to to build up that two year history. So basically, what you're telling me, it's good to have a wife that knows how to do all that stuff because <laughs> I, I don't know how to do that. anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wife that's CPA. The truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wife CPA. That's kind of the <laughs> yes. same. Thing. <laughs> Keep you in line for sure. That's exactly right. So I, if I don't have a CPA. It's going to be a little bit more difficult because basically they've got all the paperwork that, that you guys it, need as a it, lender. It can make the process a lot easier, um, you know, a lot more simple to gather those documents together. But uh, there's nothing wrong with someone who decides to file their own taxes and prepare those documents themselves. So um, it might take a little bit, you know, a little more time than someone who's uh, on a salary or, out, you know, paid hourly. Sure. Um, usually they're just looking for pay stubs and W-2s. Whereas someone who's self-employed is going to need the full tax returns. And um, there are some situations, you know, if you're looking for a, a, a jumbo loan, that's uh, a, a bigger loan amount. You're going to you need a, a profit and loss statement. Uh, it's just to help verify that the business is doing well through the current year. Um, What's the jumbo loan amount nowadays? So you're above here in Washington County, above 715000 and change. Wow. Yep. Not amazing. It is because, you know, when I started years ago, a jumbo loan was like 200000 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's moved. It's moved. <laughs> yep. One thing I was going to mention, Michael, that uh, that Josh does and that we find with a lot of uh, self-employed people, it's, it's a good correction time for that business owner to make sure that their business is in is good, that yeah. they've got their affairs in order, that things are, are filed properly, that there's an LLC, there's a partnership, there's whatever documentation yep. to put their uh, company back in, in order and make sure that they're not diverting one side or the other. It just gets them more organized and saying, wow, I need to I need to change my business just a little bit, or I need to tweak this, I need to add this, I need to get rid of this. Uh, it's it's a great compliment for the, the self-employed person. Yeah, for sure. So I have a question. You mentioned something interesting about LLCs or, in, or corporate Mm-hmm. Is one better than the other when it comes to qualifying for a home loan? Is it better to have an LLC or an INC or uh, just, you know, Michael or, or any particular corporation that has sway o- over the other? Um, so not, not necessarily, I would say. Um, 
you know, you can have a partnership. Um, you can have something where you just have a, a, a piece of ownership in a business. Um, I know this can vary a bit, you know, from state to state too, but that is also a conversation I'd recommend having with the CPA directly. Mm-hmm. Um with your accountant, they can help you, you know, based on the industry that you're in, any legal protections you might have, that's definitely a question they could help, help direct you on. One of the things that I've noticed with partnerships is that you've got to have both partners. And so if you're the borrower and your partner mm-hmm. obviously is not a borrower, but you, you're providing documentation from both parties in yep. that business. And so sometimes the LLC or the INC is uh, maybe a better way to go because it's, it's a much broader entity rather than necessarily what you might consider two individuals as a partnership. Now, that's not always the case. There's sometimes three, four or five partners. Yeah. That even gets a little bit more complicated. Well, what about like an S-Corp versus uh, a C-Corp a C- or something like that? Yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, I, not a lot of variables with that, yeah. Josh? Agreed. Yeah. Okay. I think, it, I think it can come down to the industry you're in and, and maybe some legal protections that one may provide over the other. Yeah. So, as you may remember, the last couple of years have been a little strange. Indeed. Oh boy. We had this thing, what was it called? <laughs> COVID, COVID something or other, yeah. 19. Um, has that done anything to maybe change the qualification requirements for self-employed Good question. Folks. Yes. So yes, we uh, thankfully are, are largely on the other side of that now, but um, it it caused, you know, a, a real train wreck in mortgage lending for a little while there. How come? Um, it was, it, when you compare being self-employed to someone who's maybe paid hourly or salary, it's very easy to identify, hey, are they still working? Oh, yeah. Is the, is the business they're working for, that you know, doing, are they doing okay? Is the income likely to continue? It's very easy to verify if you're on a salary or, or paid hourly. But if you, if you were in an industry that was negatively impacted by COVID or, um, you know, ran, you know, your, your own company, um, it was a little harder for a lender to verify that, hey, are you being negatively impacted by COVID or not? Um, is the business going to be okay through this? And it, it required, you know, quite, quite a bit more documentation to verify that, hey, we're, we're doing okay through COVID or not. And, um, and being able to qualify after that. So they, they, they were looking through a profit and loss statement and bank statements and, wow. And uh, doing some additional verifications even after after closing sometimes to to verify that everything was still okay. Has that eased so, up now? Yes. So largely through 2022 and now here beginning of 2023, we're largely past that. Um, uh, there are, again, maybe some jumble loans or something where you might need some additional uh, documentation like that. But largely, once you have your your tax returns at this point, that's that's going to get you across the bridge. Wow. Well, I'm glad that's uh, easing up. One thing, too, Michael, is, is those that are working from home now, mm-hmm. uh, working remotely is what the these companies are now offering to employees rather than saying, hey, come back to the office. You need to come back to the office. There's many corporations that you got to show up. I, you yep. know, there's, there's, um, uh, Elon Musk. You've probably heard of him. Uh, he requires <laughs> his people to show up and, yeah. and this work from home no. thing just does not fly. Uh, and so when you're working from home or working remotely, how do you track your hours? If nobody's there, just make sure the HR, or the boss or the supervisor. So that can sometimes bring a little bit of, of question of, did you really, are you putting in, yep. you know, the adequate amount of hours uh, for, for qualification? That's a good point. Um, what I do for, for my, when I work with my clients, since I'm a self-employed mm-hmm. guy and 
Uh, I track my hours. I have a software program that I plug in every single time I clock in yep. and I log exactly what I've done or I'm doing. And then when I'm done, I, I, I literally clock out. So it's like a, a, a digital stopwatch yep. type Love of it. thing. Yeah, um, that's and th- that's how I do it. So all of my hours are tracked. So if a, I guess if a lender, if you guys wanted to wanted to see or track what I'm actually doing, I could just give you that spreadsheet that has all my clients and everything. Mm-hmm. That'd be impressive. I know. Yeah, it would. Wow. I like that. Wow, I did something right. You did good. You did good. I'm going to have to call your wife. (laughs) Michael did something right. (laughs) That's for sure. That's that's incredible. Hey, so Bob, I need to ask you this. I know you've been in this business a long time. A little while, yes. A little while. So because I'm a self-employed guy. I'm going to ask you first, and then I'm going to ask the the other guy. Okay. So if I'm a self-employed guy... does that determine what I'm going to pay in my interest rate? Do I pay a higher rate because I'm self-employed? We are, because I'm self-employed as well, Michael. We are um, under the gun a little bit and, and scrutinized a little bit more than the W-2 or the salaried person. We're maybe a little bit more of a riskier borrower because we are self-employed. If we decided to go out of business tomorrow... Well, we go out of business tomorrow. If we wanted to stay in a W-2 or salaried position, we stay at work or we find another job where we get paid an hourly or salary uh, position. Yeah. Um, so again, if it, from, a, from a self-employed, it can have a little bit of an increase or a little bit of a bump to your uh, interest rate. A lot of it's credit score, a lot of it's history in the business. 30 years for myself, others that are three or five years, uh, maybe there's a little bit of a difference. Josh, what do you think? Yep, I think Bob's spot on. I think, um, you know, the, the pieces or the factors that you mentioned, credit score, your down payment, uh, the mm-hmm. kind of loan that you're looking at, those those items definitely have a, a bigger impact on whether you're just self-employed or not. I feel like self being self-employed, um, as you go through and calculate, you know, the, the income that we're allowed to use, not any income that's been written off yeah, or under or the table. any deductions, um, that feels more like of a, you know, a yes or a no. Um, whereas a credit score is going to be on a range, a, a down payment is going to be on a range and, and those items are going to have a bigger impact than, you know, self-employed or not. Okay. So I'm hearing a lot of stuff around town, uh, over at the Olive Garden. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yep. One of the best. <laughs> so I, I hear this stuff uh, about a, a two, one buy down. What the heck is that? And uh, how's it used? And what's the benefit to They're me? They're great. They are they are great and very popular right now. Uh, a two one buy down um, is uh, you know something you usually see on someone who's got a, a home for sale, um, where the seller is willing to help uh, contribute a, a seller concession or a seller credit to help buy the interest rate down. So. You can do a two-one buy down, one-one buy down. Not to get into too many technical terms, but um, it's where the the seller helps helps pay um, you know pay to lower your interest rate for yeah. the first one year, two years, sometimes three years. So let's say if you're starting with a five and a half percent interest rate, um, it could be at you know three and a half for the first year, two and, or four and a half for the second year, and then five and a half every year after that. So so would that be a two one buy down or a three two, one buy down? Yeah, even even one lower one lower if you want with a three one. Really? So yeah. it's it's a great way for someone who, you know, um, 
if, if we think that interest rates are moving lower, which um, everything that I'm seeing is pointing to that, you know, moving into the future, inflation is looking a lot better. Mm-hmm. And if you think, you know, rates are going to be lower in the future, it's a great tool to help make the, afford- the home affordable now. And, you know, down the road, if and when rates do move lower, like we yeah. think they will, then you could refinance and, right and kind of make that yeah. permanent at that point. So could I do a 2-1 buy down with an arm? I, I believe that you can. I don't think they're quite as popular as just your your traditional you know thirty year fix. That's the yeah. that's the product probably best designed for it, but um, definitely not off the table. A little bit more expensive too, Michael, with that arm uh, to be able to get that because you're you're kind of getting the discount on the two to the one, and then you do an adjustable. And mm-hmm. uh, these companies are are out to make money on where we pay our mortgage, and they're taking a service fee every month. So. Yeah, it can be a little bit more costly where they're saying, oh, that affects our bottom line a little too much. So we mm. have to have to maybe raise our fees a little bit. Okay, that makes that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. well, I understand we all need to make a little money. Sure. In there. Sure. So yep. It's a profit deal. That's, that's, so goes. that's right. That's right. <laughs> that would be in the black instead of in the red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So answer me this. Riddle me this. Either Bob or Josh. So what's the difference between a pre-approval and a pre-qualification, and how's it going to benefit me as the buyer? Night and day. Pre-qualification is just that. Uh, The lender kind of sort of maybe kind of thinks that you might be able to kind of sort of buy. A pre-approval says, go buy a house, we'll see it closing. Uh, it, it's literally that that kind of security that they've got that kind of confidence in that borrower, short of them doing some silly things towards the end, like buying furniture before they buy the house. That's that's yeah. no no good. Josh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yep, you're you're spot on, Bob. So pre qualification is just where. You know, maybe a loan officer like myself uh, goes through the file, and I not to tune my toot my own horn too much, but you know, do a good job at that initial pre-qualification. You review sure. pay stubs, tax returns, etc. But I'm not the one that makes the decision on the loan. I'm not the one that gives it the final stamp of approval and says, "Hey, you know, you're good to go. Let's go ahead and move to closing." An underwriter um, at at a, a mortgage lenders who makes that decision. They've they've put in hour, I mean, hundreds if not thousands of hours to do this correctly. And when you have a full pre-approval done, it's because an underwriter has reviewed that file. They've looked at the pay stubs. They've looked at the bank statements, the tax returns, et cetera. And they're giving you the stamp of approval saying, hey, unless there's an issue on the appraisal or the you know title work, maybe there's something that comes back that's a little odd, you're good to go. You're, you're fully pre-approved and, and ready to close. So the process then is... Uh after the application has been submitted with all the paperwork, yep, that's when it goes to the underwriter, and you, you're you're kind of you're kind of out of it then, and uh, it's up to the underwriter. Yep, to, I I get it stacked real nice, put it in a nice pretty box with a bow on top, the bow on top. Uh, you know, include a nice cover story so the underwriter knows that hey, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, this is what they're looking to do. This is how we have the income set up, and. Um, you know, then then it's off to the the underwriter and the lender to approve and, and move forward. So what about if they've had a couple of credit dings? You know, the last couple of years have been kind of weird. Yeah. Some people mm-hmm. got a little, you know, wonky with their income and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you write a letter to explain to the underwriter yeah. this is what's going on? And does that actually do any good? I for sure. It it does. You have to re- you have to recognize that the underwriter is just another person at work on Monday, Tuesday, you know, they're they're a real person and they they won't understand what's happened. So um, you know, it's depending on the severity of that credit ding, you know, there's a lot of times we can, we can get that fixed right away. Um, if it's something that's going to take a little bit longer then you know, we can, we can get a plan together and, and 
get that, you know, get a plan together for, for down the road. As a self-employed buyer, are there any restrictions as to what type of loan I can have? Can I still get a conventional FHA, VA, question. all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no restrictions there. All right. So, well, doors are open. Yep. Yeah. The doors are open. I Let's hope it walk good. through. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just a myth. I feel like so many people are really concerned that, hey, if I'm self-employed, I'm I'm not eligible, I'm not qualified, and it's just not true. Yeah. Not true. Yes, as I've talked to Bob about this on several occasions, I find that if somebody who is self-employed and is really interested in getting into a new home, that between like the two of you guys, between a good realtor and a good yeah. lender, there is a way to make this thing happen, especially with things like a 2-1 buy-down and, and all yeah. these other things. And I know there's a lot of builders that are that are giving um, remarkable incentives mm-hmm. yep. this time of year. So that's good, too. Very true. So before we sign off, what last-minute bits of advice can you give our listeners to who are self-employed to help them buy a home? Bob? Folks, don't be discouraged. Pursue it. It's worth it. If it feel like that you're giving a DNA sample, a blood sample, you probably are, but it's worth it. Uh, go see Josh. He's the best in the business here locally in St. George, Utah. Uh, and, and he will take care of you, handhold you, all handhold you, and make sure that you're able to get into a home that you're absolutely going to work for and love once you've pr- made the purchase and closed on it. That's what it's all about. That's great. So, Bob, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what is your phone number? How can they find you? Best way to reach me, 435-688-UTAH. That's 435-688-8824. That was great. Not bad. That was very professional. Thank you. What about the other guy, Josh? How can somebody get a hold of you? Well, uh, first steps, I say reach out to Bob. <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's uh, no, we make a great team, and I, um, I appreciate the opportunity again being here, but... Um, Best way to reach me is just online. Uh, my website's mymortgagehq.com. Uh, phone number is 435-216-9494. Great. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you for being here Thanks, today. Michael. Thank you. Very informative. And uh, we will see you guys again next time with another exciting episode yep. of Let's Get Real with your host, Bob Richards. This has been Let's Get Real with Bob Richards from Bob Richards and Associates. For more information, buyutah.com. We invite you to return again for another edition of Let's Get Real with Bob Richards from Bob Richards and Associates. This has been a production of One to One Network.